Texas Football Today is a production of Dave Campbell's Texas Football and TexasFootball.com. If you like the show, help us make it. Consider becoming a Texas Football Insider, our subscription package at TexasFootball.com slash insider. Besides helping to make shows like this possible, you'll also get two magazines, including our legendary summer edition and a year of access to exclusive content on TexasFootball.com. That includes stuff like premium podcasts, our archives. We've got all 60 years of the magazine digitized, recruiting analysis, and must-see insights from the Dave Campbell's Texas football crew. If all of that sounds good to you, consider becoming a Dave Campbell's Texas football insider at texasfootball.com slash insider. That's texasfootball.com slash insider. And thanks for listening. The Texas Football Today podcast is brought to you by Chocolate Milk, built by nature. Make sure you catch Texas Football Today live weekdays at noon on texasfootball.com and on Facebook. And if you like the show, subscribe on the podcast vendor of your choice. Give us a positive rating and tell a friend. Yes, yes, y'all. From the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Mothership here in beautiful Louisville, Texas, it is Texas Football Today, a show on the internet. My name is Greg Tepper. I am the managing editor of Dave Campbell's Texas Football, a magazine, texasfootball.com, a corresponding website. Thank you for spending part of your day with us. Whether you're watching us live at texasfootball.com or on Facebook, or you're listening to us on the podcast, which you can subscribe to on the podcast vendor of your choice. Either way, thank you for doing your part to support your local mediocre internet show. I am sitting here, sitting over there at the helm today, wearing a similarly colored shirt to me. She is the Duchess of the Dorks. She's Ashley Pickle. Howdy. Um, I was going to ask you that. A couple of people wondered where you got your shirt from because they said they really liked yeah, it. Yeah, it's a cool shirt. It is from a company. Oh, it's Texas. Yeah. I, I didn't. I don't know. I didn't think. Wow. <laughs> okay, yeah. Give that thing a look. There you go. Yes! Pickle! <laughs> I couldn't see the... Did you just I think it know. was like a Rorschach test? No, I... I don't know. I wasn't really paying attention Pickle. until someone said something. Pickle. Um, I can only see like half of it. I had the tag here, but it's just a it's a lo- it's a logo. Actually, the shirt belongs to Frank. Um, to Joe from Billy Madison. Um, <laughs> I will let me look it up in my email. I'll get you the the name of the the company that sells this shirt. But it's a cool shirt. I like it. Um, do we first four through the door? We sure do. It was Alan Shepard, Derek English, Tony Blaylock, and Andrew Christensen. Welcome in, fellas. On today. Today uh-huh. is Friday, October 2nd, 2020, 54 days till Thanksgiving, episode 1040. 1040, the Michael Tejera episode. Uh, he was 1,040th all-time alphabetically for the Texas Rangers. He played. He pitched in nine games for the Rangers from 2004 to 2005 with a just sparkling 6.59 ERA because... On today's show, friends, we're going to announce the Mr. Texas Football Player of the Week and the Dairy Max Built by Chocolate Milk Assistant Coach of the Week. And then it's Mailback Friday. We're going to answer your questions about high school football, college football, recruiting, lifestyle, romance, travel, um, um, my shirt, um, Pickles TV setup, yeah. uh, all those things. We will t- get into that. Uh, two ways to get us your questions. Question, way one, in the Facebook comments, facebook.com slash Dave Campbell's. On another topic, on another hit, let's go. It's the TFT text line. That was a pretty good little sound you made there. Nine seven two five three two six 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 five nine seven two five damn okay nine seven two five three two monk. If you want to text us your questions about high school football, college football, recruiting, lifestyle, romance, travel, etc., we will get to those. Uh, we have a hard out at about one, so we will get off the air at one. But we will answer as many of your questions as possible coming up here in just a moment. I get to see Bert tonight. 
Bert and the Texan Life crew are headed up to oh, cool. Atascacita and Allen. Hi, Bert. We'll see you there, was bud. Bert, I think Bert was calling the... There was a Monday game, right? Monday? Tuesday? Yes. Monday, the Lamarck game was on Monday. Monday. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think he was on the call of that. Busy man. Let me pull up my read. Make sure we do this right. Dave Campbell's Texas Football, in partnership with the Texas Bowl, is proud to present the Mr. Texas Football Player of the Week Award to the most deserving high schooler in the state of Texas. Every Monday at noon on TexasFootball.com, we announce 10 candidates for that week's award based on the previous week's on-field performance. We then leave it up to you at TexasFootball.com. There's voting right there on the side. You can vote for who you think is worthy of being the Mr. Texas Football Player of the Week. We then close the poll at noon. I actually did close the poll right at noon. Wow, you're on your right game today. I did. Uh, and so, we then announce the winner, and that's what the time is right now. Your Week 5 Dave Campbell's Texas Football, Mr. Texas Football Player of the Week is... Lubbock Coronado quarterback Sawyer Robertson threw for 405 yards and four touchdowns through the air, ran for another 29 yards and a touchdown on the ground for the Mustangs. Congratulations to all the nominees. Uh, Kyle Brown of Cedar Park Vista Ridge, Tavian Sanders of Denton Ryan, Ethan Belcher of Winthorpe, Carter Centerfit of Corpus Christi Veterans Memorial, Jamarian Miller of Tyler Legacy, DeAnthony Gatson of Newton, Cleo Chandler of Cleburne. Juan Valdez of LaPrior and DJ Allen of Gladewater, but a very special congratulations to the Week 5 Dave Campbell's Texas Football, Mr. Texas Football Player of the Week, Sawyer Robertson, the quarterback of the Lubbock Coronado Mustangs. Very well-deserved young man. Derry Max and Dave Campbell's Texas Football are proud to team up this year to honor excellence in coaching and the hard work that assistant coaches put in on behalf of their teams. Each week, the Texas football staff nominates four deserving assistant coaches across the state for the Derry Max, built by Chocolate Milk Assistant Coach of the Week, and allow and let fans decide on the winner via Twitter poll. It all leads up to the Dairy Max Built by Chocolate Milk Assistant Coach of the Year decided at season's end. Four great candidates this week, but your week five, 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 five. Week five, Dairy Max Built by Chocolate Milk Assistant Coach of the Week is. Arlington defensive coordinator T.J. Dibble. The Colts defense held the high-powered must Mansfield offense in check in the season opener, toppling the Tigers 37-7. to Congratulations to all the nominees. Richmond Foster offensive coordinator Kenneth, Kenneth Johnson. Both offensive coordinator uh, Clay Kasperzik. Uh, oh, we changed the Lubbock Roosevelt guy because he, he had a different one. Hold on. I want to make sure I get his name right. Uh-huh. I'm going to make this go. There we go. Uh, Lubbock Roosevelt defensive coordinator Dane Burke. We had the, his, yeah, his predecessor on there. Uh, and, but a very special special congratulations to the Week 5 Dairy Max Built by Chocolate Milk Assistant Coach of the Week, Arlington Defensive Coordinator T.J. Dibble. Very well-deserved coach. For more information, visit TexasFootball.com. We are Texas Football Today. We're here every weekday at noon on TexasFootball.com, talking football in the Lone Star State. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF, like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Dave Campbell's. Follow us on Instagram, Instagram.com slash Dave Campbell's. And, of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. TexasFootball.com is where you can find complete coverage of high school football, college football, and recruiting all across the Lone Star State. I want to invite you to become a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider. TexasFootball.com slash subscribe. Uh, we would really appreciate it. Okay. To follow up on the shirt, mm. the name of the company is Tumbleweald text styles it's tumble um, did i say tumble wild you i don't you kind of stumbled through that one. tumbleweed textiles ah, there we go you said tumbleweed i was getting i was getting <laughs> too caught up tumbleweed textiles that's t-u-m-b-l-e-w-e-e-d-t-e-x-s-t-y-l-e-s that's it uh tumbleweed textiles so yeah anyway they have a cool shirt all right pickle it's mailbag friday 
been a couple weeks since we did one of these. Yes. So we will answer your questions. High school football, college football, recruiting, lifestyle, romance, travel, all of those fun things. If you have a question for us, please either go in the comments on Facebook, facebook.com slash Dave Campbell's, or hit the text line. TFT text line, 972-532-6665, 972-532-MONK, 972-5-DAMN-OK. Pickle, I'm sure the people have some questions. They do. I am almost certainly not equipped to answer them, but I will try my best. No, well, we appreciate the effort. Um, this one coming in yesterday from Jacob John. He said, so think about the San Antonio area with this one. Um, it seems like there's an abundance of 4A and below talent in the San Antonio mm-hmm. area, such as Fredericksburg, Burning, Comfort, Jordington, Poth, etc. Would it be more of a possibility to see a lower class state title than a 5 or 6A class state title for the San Antonio area? Yes. I agree. I think that when you take a look, I think, I think when you take a look at the um, – at the San Antonio area and kind of the, the greater call it calling it South Texas is not fair because there's a lot more South Texas, South San Antonio. Right. But uh, when you take a look at um, the San Antonio area, what we, what we describe as San Antonio area, I think there's a fair argument to be made that their best teams are in uh, the small school ranks. I agree. Uh, when you take a look at like, if you want to call Shiner, being greater San Antonio. We classify, mm-hmm. they're kind of a no man's land. We cl- classify them as being in the San Antonio area. Same with Poth. Same with Hallettsville. Out in BFE. Uh, yeah. They're kind of out in the middle of nowhere, but we classify them as San Antonio. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also throw in a team like Yoakum, right? Yoakum. Yeah. Um, uh, teams like that, that I, I think you're right. I think that the, the talent is probably better in the small school ranks, or at least uh, ready for prime time. Uh, ready to contend for a state championship than it is in the big school ranks. Now, look, we haven't seen Converse Judson yet, right? Uh, Civil Seal took a early season loss to a um, a team from out of state. We have I have no idea what to make of that. The a team from Virginia, I want to say. Um, so there's that. I also think San Antonio Brandeis has a chance to be pretty good. San Antonio Brennan, um, and there's some big schools that like. You know, Shirts Clemens lost to Austin Westlake, but I also think uh, Austin Westlake's like a state championship contender. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I necessarily put a ton of stock in that. What I'm saying is, it has been a while since we've seen San Antonio in a title game. In fact, I believe it's been since 2014. 2014, I believe, the last time we had a San Antonio team in the, in the title game. Yeah. Um, it's been a minute from the big school perspective. I think the small schools, though, are underrated because... You have those kind of pedigreed traditional San Antonio powers mm-hmm. that get a lot of the attention. There is a lot of good small school football in greater, greater, greater San, San Antonio, Antonio. Mm-hmm. that probably lends itself closer to a state I championship. I think that's some of the ripest oh, yeah. smaller school areas possibly in the entire oh, state. Yeah. I mean, we're not seeing much out of smaller, you know, DFW Houston schools. Sure. Like, I mean, yeah, that's 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 it's uh, it's really it's really. Uh, really top heavy there. There's a lot of really good teams, especially those kind of three I mentioned. If you consider Shiner, Poth, and Hallettsville to be Greater San Antonio, I certainly think they're in that mix. What's next, pickle? Um, this one again coming from the text line yesterday. Uh, thoughts on Iron County and Blackwell? Erion County. Erion. Erion okay. County. I thought that was a typo. That's no. my bad. Nope. Erion County. They, no, they spelled it right. Believe it or not. Erion <laughs> uh, County is an interesting squad. I believe, do I have this right? Is this their first year playing six-man ball? <sighs> Maybe. Let me look that up real quick. I want to make sure I get this right. But Erion County, at least uh, recently, was 
a yeah, uh, they so they were a six man independent last year, so they are making the transition from eleven man to six man, and they're taking very very well to it. Uh, they are five and zero. They are playing really really well. Now, I also think that Blackwell will be the best team that they. I think this is an instance in which you have a team that is good in Erion County, but probably not five and zero good, mm-hmm. and a team in Blackwell that is struggling at three and two. But not struggling so much that they're that that they're actually that, that I think it's two teams whose records are not necessarily rep, or representative of what they are all about. Blackwell State played an extremely difficult schedule. Blackwell's two losses, I believe, are to they lost in Week One to Eden. That's a bad loss. Mm-hmm. It's, Eden's only one of the year. But then um, their other losses to Highland. Uh, that's that's I believe that's a rivalry game. It's a pretty good, uh, pretty pretty decent loss or pretty decent win. I think that this is a really important bounce back for them, that they've got to get things going, and especially the biggest thing for them is that when their defense has played well, um, they've they've won, plain and simple. Uh, now, Erion County's putting on folks. Erion mm-hmm. County's, you know, beating teams by 50 points a game. I mean, they, they I believe they've 45 every one of their opponents. Yeah, they have. They've 45 every one of their opponents. Um this is a big test for Blackwell, and this is kind of an interesting situation of like here, Blackwell's a pretty traditional power in the six-man ranks. Uh, is there is this the new blood rising? Like, is this the new? There's a couple of, of squads that are new to the six-man ranks that are that are performing pretty well. Erie and County among them, Spring Lake Earth among them, uh, a few teams that have taken well to the six-man game. This this could be an important. This would this would be a very important win for them. That win last week over Cherokee was very solid. Another kind of traditional power, although they haven't been in the in the mix in, in the past couple of years. Um, but that is a this is an important win, and that this would be one of the biggest wins for them at least as a six-man uh, uh, team in a long, long time. So yeah. What's next, pickle? Um, I know we talked about this matchup a couple days ago, but Wink and Crane. Yeah, I love this game. Uh, we talked about this on Tep and Step actually. Oh, nice. Yeah, this is a game that's flying under the radar, um, and and because it's two teams that are both un- it's a battle of unbeaten's, and the game I believe is at Crane. Yeah, Tech Crane. Come on, you dumb dumb. Will you just work? That's all I need you to do is work today. The people are watching. Um, <laughs> Crane, <laughs> Crane is Crane is in the interesting situation. They've had I believe they've had at least one game canceled. Uh, they're sitting at three and zero right now. Uh, and I think there is a reasonable argument to be made that they are three and zero, and that they should be three and zero. That they beat Colorado City, they beat Kermit, and they beat Denver City. Denver City's not lunch meat, uh, but that's a those are three games that I would probably pick Crane to win this game. Um, now they get a huge test this week against uh, Wink, and if you haven't seen Cannon Gibson, the quarterback for Wink, um, he is a star, and I believe. This up. I believe he's a sophomore. He is a sophomore. He's a sophomore. He's already thrown for 12 touchdowns and run for another nine in their first five games. I mean, he's been spectacular, spectacular for Wink. Uh, the defense has been mostly good, basically, with the exception of getting in a shootout with El Dorado. El Dorado yeah. Like, they gave up 46 to El Dorado, but they beat him by 15. So it's like, you know. Uh, they are, they, they have probably the first, second, and third most impressive victories. If you're combining these two teams in the sense that they've beaten Cristobal, they've beaten El Dorado, and they beat Ozona, who's a 3A team. I'm sorry, not Ozona, Alpine, who's a 3A team. The biggest question, like, this is the first real test for Crane. They get him at home. Uh, this is a huge test for them. Uh, I believe I lean towards Wink in this game. Uh, but 
like part of that is that we just don't really know about Crane yet. Like this is a team finally in their weight class that I think we're going to get a big test for them. I'm, I'm leaning towards Wink. I like Wink as a sleeper in, in Region 1 uh, in 2A, but I, I, I am anxiously awaiting this game. Uh, also, by the way, down the road, um, you know, for, for Wink, they're in, that, they're in a four-team district, so they're in the playoffs. Congratulations to them. Uh, and and there's two games. There's two games in Ira Ann, who is really riding the struggle bus, and Plains, mm-hmm. who's been riding the struggle bus for a long, long time. Yeah. That's how I close out the season, week ten, week eleven. Uh, that's not necessarily like those won't tell us anything. But two of the next three weeks, they go to Crane and they go to McCamey in their district opener. That'll be a big game too. Uh, but yeah, this is a big. This is first big test for Crane. Um, and then if Wink can get this win, then then we got to start taking them very very seriously as a Region One threat. What's next, Pickle? Um, someone asked for my thoughts on Gatesville and Salado tonight. And I'm sorry, but I think Salado rolls in that district homecoming match. Um, so Gatesville, first of all, I, I believe Gatesville's been riding the... They've been riding the struggle bus a little bit, but they're, been, they're one that, and two. I, and I they also have, think they've been riding the, the Corona train. Yes, they had they had their week three game canceled. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, I will be honest. Salado... This Salado, Salado's Salado's just rolling right now. I mean, they held they held Grandview to twenty one points. Now yes, they lost. They, they but... did. They did. The one thing I'll say is I believe that game was in the rain. So I don't know if I, I take a ton of stock from yeah. that. Here's the thing, but about they've blown everyone Salado. else out. Yeah, Salado, and I, I, I who did I, I did a radio? Oh, I was with um uh, the boys at um at sixteen hundred ESPN in uh, Central Texas in Waco, yeah. and they asked about Salado. And I think the thing that people forget is, like, their coach in Alan Hare is an OG. This oh, guy's yeah. been around a long time. I'm not mm-hmm. calling him old. But, like, he's a guy who has been around the block, and he is a guy who has an identity. They run the slot T. They mm-hmm. run it well. They have a star in Rook Brown. Um, and I think that I think that maybe people took that loss to, to Grandview, like, oh, okay. But look at the rest of their wins, okay? Yeah, look they're at their blowing wins. people out. They've beaten Troy. Mm-hmm. They beat Stephenville, which is a, a win that's suddenly aging very well. Yes, and I know that Mejia is one and four, but I think that's a decent uh, one and four team in Mejia, and they beat them by nineteen. Uh, yeah, uh, and I've seen Mejia live, and yeah. the fact that they were able to beat them by nineteen points—I mean, that's not that's not an easy task. You give me ten they, points, maybe okay, but I think they, not nineteen. I think they romp in this game. I, I like Salado in this one, but the one thing I'll say is that then next two weeks back to back they get Waco Conley at Waco Conley mm-hmm. up there in, in North Waco, and then they get they're at home to China Spring, and those are the two big time matchups in District Nine. Um, yeah, I, that could I, be that could be for that, the, the district the, championship. Those two, basically, the, that that when does China Spring play Conley? Um, I have the China oh, Spring plays Conley in, in week ten. They have a built-in buy in week eleven. Um, I will say like those those three games, mm-hmm. right? China Spring, Conley, Conley, Salado, and then mm-hmm. those combinations. The yeah, the therein, triangle of games. That's the those are the district championships. Mm-hmm. It'll be a it'll be a slugfest for those final two spots. I probably lean towards Gerald's really right in the struggle. Uh, I, I lean towards Gatesville and Robinson mm-hmm. uh, for that final spot. But like those three, as far as positioning is concerned, that's where I uh, lean to. And by the way, pull up the standings real quick. Who do they match up with in uh, District Ten? Give me a second. They match up. Come on, you dumb dumb. Um, yeah. By the way. You want to finish as high as possible in that district because that is their matchup with District Ten. Mm-hmm. That is the Carthage Jasper Center Madisonville district. Well, that's so, not a so so. Right now, I would say Center is probably second. 
So if you finish third, you're playing center in the first round. That's no bueno. Right. That's no bueno. No, because center is that. rolling. No, right center's now. center's looking really good. So uh, those are critical games. Yeah. To answer your question, Slater rolls. rolls. But yeah, yeah, that's one. Okay. What's next? Uh, I like this question from Tony. He said, "So four A to one A, they're halfway through the season. Any teams you really need to show up tonight, or you're gonna kind of be more ready to to write them off." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There are. I I know some of these words. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you who is, I think, in make-or-break territory right now, tonight. Mm-hmm. And that's Atlanta. Yeah. Okay, Atlanta's 0-5. And I love Coach McClure out mm-hmm. there. They're 0-5. And they have a tradition. They have a history of just starting slow. Right. They just start slow, and then they get better. Well, it's time to hit the gas because they get Sabine tonight, Gladewater Sabine. Okay. Computer has this as about to pick them. Um, they, after losing last week to White Oak, they are now up against it because they've still got Gladewater and Tatum on the line. Mm-hmm. Well, coming up next, back-to-back weeks. You have to assume right now that they will be sizable underdogs to Gladewater and they will be decent underdogs to Tatum. Because Tatum, by the way, if you haven't seen Tatum's role, Tatum's scoring like crazy. Mm-hmm. That's neither here nor there. If you're Atlanta, the time to wake up was yesterday. Mm-hmm. But this is basically your last chance because if they don't win this game, they might make they might miss the playoffs. Plain and simple, that's where they're at. So Atlanta was the first team that sprung to mind as a team that they need to they need to get their act together, uh, like right now, or else we're going to be talking about them uh, being in a bad way. A couple of other teams. Uh, that uh, and and I know that they lost a ton of team a ton uh, from last year's team, but um, I would very much like for Burton to wake up. Burton's zero and five. Burton is now going into their second district game against Snook. Um, and look, the problem for Burton is that they've scored thirty eight points in five games. They can't score. Mm-mm. And I know that they, again. I, I know they lost a number of big time playmakers, but. Burton's got to wake up if they're going to get there. Uh, and then one other team that I'll throw out there, I'm a little concerned about, and this is a team that... Oh, I've that, got one, too. What's that? I said I've got one, okay. too, once you find um, it. One team that, I, that I'm that i worried about uh, a little bit is Groveton. This was kind of a darling mm-hmm. of mine in the early in the preseason. Um, I thought, you know what? Maybe people are sleeping on Groveton. I really liked what they had coming back. But right now, they are two and three, and they're and they get their district opener tonight against Norman G. And they might be underdogs in that one, right? Um, this is a the, and and it's a tough district with um, with Centerville, with Grapeland. Julian's playing good ball. Um, they're two and three. They've lost their last three. Albeit it's a good teams like they lost to Joaquin, they lost to Garrison, they lost to Shelbyville. Uh, I need Groveton to pick it up. Pick they need to pick it up right now as they're in their district play. I Who is think yours? Blum. Blum. They gotta like okay. Blum. To be fair, Blum. <laughs> they gotta two and two. They had yeah. So if they lose tonight, they would be going into district play two and three on the season, and that's not ideal. I know they played Jonesboro in May, and those are two very good teams, but it's like yeah, they they Good blew one. their first two games well, out and, of the park, well, and, and then it was the like thing. what happened? Well, like they can't can, score. You can make it. You can make an argument like you're looking at them right now, and Blum, the, of course, the defending one A Division one state champs, mm-hmm. Blum. Uh, you could make a real argument that like they've won the two games we probably expected them to. They beat Aquila right. and they beat Gorman. But they and they lost the two games that arguably you could expect them to, to look yeah. lose in, in Groveton or Jonesboro in May. Well, here's a team in Abbott, Terry Crawford, 
Yeah. Got him cooking. Mm-hmm. Panthers. And by the way, this is a big matchup because uh, uh, Cooper Thornhill was a defensive coordinator for mm-hmm. Terry Crawford at Abbott for a long time. This is if, – if they're going to pick it up going – now, look, I think they're going to – I still think they're the best team in that district. I agree. Okay? I still think – but if but they are no longer – Blum has ascended to a, a status where it's like we're not worried about them making the playoffs. Playoffs. We don't worry about Duncanville making the playoffs. No. We worry about Duncanville winning a state the championship. championship. Exactly. Like, can they win a state championship? For Blum, we're kind of at that precipice because I need to see them beat a good team because, by the way, the, the rest of the way, uh, apologies to – Covington, Milford, Avalon, and right. Bynum. This is their last tough game of this of the regular season, mm-hmm. and the, and the so last game, the last game they should they should be challenged in. So this is a huge game for them. That's a good pick. And you, thank you, good thank pick. You. Well done, pickle. <laughs> thank you. What's it, next? Um, the I'm most, sorry if you had something else. To say. No, the most important question we've gotten asked: When is Ish gonna come back on the show? Is now when we should make the announcement? Yeah, we probably should. No, I can't fake it. I was going to say. I was like, don't cry. I was going to say, Ish returned to his home planet. You know what I mean? <laughs> whoop, 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 whoop. No. Uh, Ish is, uh, we, so, I mean, we've mentioned this before. Mm-hmm. We're the only ones in the office. Yep. Um, from an editorial perspective, we've still got the, the actual workers uh, here doing doing the, the stuff that help keep the lights on. Yeah, we're just here to fake it until we make it. Exactly. Um, but Ish, Shahan, Step, Will, Powers, like, they're all working remote. Mm-hmm. Like, they're all working remote, and so... You got a couple people. The comments started coming in. <laughs> I did? Yeah. Good. Um, but the... So they're all working remote. I'll be honest. I am under the impression, right now, with the virus the way that it is, mm-hmm. and with the projection that the fall is not going to be super fun, mm-hmm. uh, I'm of the impression that probably I'm not going to ask them to come back in in 2020. No. Now that's that's also I should also mention that's not really my call. Right. Uh I have a boss mm-hmm. and and he says jump and I say how high. Mm-hmm. So I'm not I'm not going, you know, I'm, I I can't make that commitment firm. I would say you probably should not expect Ish in any sort of um on the show in any sort of consistent capacity uh at least until 2020 uh, in, until 2021. Right. And it makes I would sense say, too with with holiday season mm-hmm. coming up like the less people you can be around the better. Right. Right. So yeah. Anyway, that's that's. Right but Ish, I'm sure, says hi to you all. Probably not. Eh. He probably says no. He's probably like, <laughs> you know how Ish does. <laughs> you know Ish. Ish. <laughs> yeah. No, we miss him desperately, but we uh, do. But, you know, we also understand. So it's, yep. it's the way of the world. What's next? Um, there is a fan of Tarkington here. Cleveland Tarkington. So the Longhorns. So know what our thoughts are on the old rivalry battle of the El- bell between them and uh, Splendora. Uh, yes. Is that That's not this week, is it? No. Is no. it not this week? No, it's not this week. Hold on. Let me make sure that. I want to make sure I'm, I'm right on that. But I want to say that's in a couple of weeks. Or maybe next week. I want to say Tarkington's got, like, Buna this week? Something like that? Let me see. Um... Wait, you said Tarkington and Splendora? That's what they said. Tarkington and Splendora are not playing this season. Uh, I hate to break this news to you. Hmm. Well, um, don't <sighs> give tough. me your thoughts on that. It's tough. Uh, they do play. They 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 had a close loss to Anahuac last week in their district opener. They play Buna this week, and and an important bounce back in a, in a district. <clears throat> excuse me, a district. That's a. F- Sorry to to go off on a tangent on a question he didn't ask. 
That's, that's a, so on brand. <laughs> it really is. That's a district that's really tightly packed. Okay, that is if you take a look at District Ten, three uh, A Division One. Okay, Ten Three A Division One. You have East Chambers at the top, and East Chambers is, in my mind, clearly the best team in that district. That's my that's my opinion. You can roast me if that's wrong. But then, I think you've got the next five teams, maybe six, if you're a believer in what Harden's cooking. <laughs> At least the next five teams that are all just like this close, okay? Between Tarkenton, between Anahuac, between Buna, between Kirbyville, between Woodville, all those teams are super tightly packed. And like last week, Anahuac uh, beat Tarkenton 36-35. Mm-hmm. Um and Buna beat Woodville 22-14, I think you're going to see a lot of those. I think you're going to see a lot of one-score games when those two teams get a, and when those teams get together. And by the way, I mean, maybe maybe Harden's in that mix too. Harden's off to a 2-2 two and two start, a team we didn't necessarily have high hopes for. They're off to a nice start. If they get in the mix, suddenly it is a free-for-all. you got six teams fighting for three playoff spots. Again, I think East Chambers is the is the, is the top of the pops in that mm-hmm. district, but the rest of that district it's it wide is open. fascinating. Now, I don't think any of those teams, God love them, I don't think any of them are state title contenders. But like, as far as compelling games, they're going to put together some good ones because I think all those teams are really evenly matched. So, that's a that's an answer to a question that nobody asked. Yes. <laughs> that's that's today's that segment. That's, today's, brand. that's the episode of today's segment. A question to something to a, an answer to a question, question nobody, that nobody asked. asked. What's next? We've got a lot of good questions coming in today. Uh, Sean Burnett brought up a good point too. Um, maybe on from our last question about who maybe you're a tad bit mm-hmm. concerned about. Let's talk about Fort Ben Marshall. They won last night. But it, it was, was weird. seven nothing. They beat yeah. They beat four. Bit who did they beat? Uh, uh, Elkins. Elkins. They beat Elkins. Um, seven nothing. And look, it was week one. It's week one for the, it's their first game of the year for them. I want to say, but that's not a team that you expect to come in and look rusty. Well, <sighs> to a certain extent, I guess you're right. Now lose. here's the thing: they start the year number four in Dave Campbell's Texas football, and there's understandably a lot of of interest around them. Um, let me pull up their page. What did the computer have them winning by? Because I, I don't, I'll be honest, I haven't, um, I need to make sure I bone up on um, um, Elkins. But, Fort and Marshall, they were favored by 15, because this is a 6A team in Fort Bend Elkins. Mm-hmm. But that said, 7 nothing is concerning simply because it, it does kind of realize a few of the nascent fears we had for Marshall which is who's going to score yeah exactly that like they were like losing Devonna Chan losing uh Malik Hornsby like who's going to score still think that also reaffirms to me not too worried about that defense okay (laughs) because we thought that was the big question for them coming in thought the defense could be pretty solid offense uh, where's it going to come from I mean, obviously, they're having some. They're riding the struggle bus a little bit in the early going. Uh, let's see what happens. Um, well, and that's the thing too is you got to know that offenses that are going to be slower to start this year than anything <sighs> because you get a brand new offense, you haven't had time to well, practice. With and and it. here's here's another problem. Okay, here's an issue. An issue with this is that now they go into district play and they're going to pummel teams. 
Okay. Oh yeah. Absolutely. They're going to pummel Galena Park. They're going to pump. I mean, like like a lot of these teams in District 11, 5A Division Two, they're just a lot better than. There's on another level. The exception probably Fort Bend Willow Ridge. Maybe you buy into Houston Sterling, but to me, I look at this team and 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 now. The problem is going to be a dearth of data. Mm-hmm. We're not going to have any reliable data on them. There's no measuring stick. No, like that's the problem is that yeah, they're going to go out and they're going to play Galena Park next week and they're going to win 60 to nothing mm-hmm. or something like that or 60 to 7. And but we're not going to learn anything. No. Nope. That's my issue. And so now that's that's why it's 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 not necessarily concerning for me from a team perspective cuz I think they may end up being just fine. It may just be a slow start out of the gates. Mm-hmm. It's concerning for me from an analysis perspective because I'm not going to know which way to think. We're going to get into the playoffs and go. Eh? It's like, yeah, it's like, it's like. <laughs> by the way, what if Forpin Willeridge like falls off? And it's like, oh, they're not as good as we thought they were. Like then, it's like we have no measuring sticks for right. Them. So last night is concerning to me because we're not going. We're there's there, we've said this about teams in the past. We won't know until it's too late. We won't know until they're they're packing up their pads. If they're if they're actually very good, so that's that's why it's a little bit concerning to me and why it kind of caught my eye last night. Um, let's go back to last night again and talk about the uh, Trinity Prosper game. Yeah, how about Prosper? Um, good win for Step them. Step literally flexed on us real hard in the Slack chat last night, saying, "I told you all about Prosper at the beginning of the season." He did. He did. <laughs> he had every right to flex so, on us. <laughs> so shouts to you, Prosper, or shouts to you, Step, and shouts to you, Prosper. Uh, a good win last night. Uh, they now have two wins, two nice wins, by the mm-hmm. way. Uh, a win over Plano Prestonwood, who's a perennial uh, a private school power, uh, and then Eulis Trinity. Um, a good win for them. The fact that they were able to match up up front is impressive, mm-hmm. and and bodes well for them going into um, going into the, the the rest of the way. Um, by the way, next week, suddenly, at DeSoto, depending on what we see from DeSoto tonight... Which I'm very interested to see. Could be very tantalizing. Uh, yeah, I'm very... I, I am... Super I'm, interested I'm to see on, what DeSoto looks like. I'm high on Prosper. And by the way, like, that is... Like, we've been trying to say... I think everybody got really geeked up when it, when Allen and Denton Geyer got put in the same district. Mm-hmm. And I understand why. Guys, that's a three-deep district there when you add in Prosper. Oh, yeah. Prosper, Geyer, and Allen are all contenders all of them and so yeah that's 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 interesting i i'm i'm i it was a big win for them and and you know interested to see what they do next week next week against soda is gonna be really interesting and if Desoto looks good we might make that a spotlight game on the picks yeah i'm thinking about that i'd be a fan of that that'd be a good game that would be a great game especially because yeah people don't see prosper and go boom yeah. but maybe they will maybe they will what's next um, up next, here's a rules question. Yeah! Rules, 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 rules. Rules. Um, when it comes to the tuck rule, if they count it as an incomplete forward pass, then why isn't it never considered intentional grounding? In almost every situation, the quarterback is still in the pocket and the ball normally doesn't go past the line of scrimmage. So, it's a good good question. I think the idea is that if you are um, if the if the defender impacts your throwing ability, which obviously is the, the situation with the tuck rule, if the if the defender impacts your throwing ability, then 
intentional grounding can be waived mm-hmm. in the sense that like he's trying to throw it but like now of course that kind of goes against the whole idea of the tuck rule yeah and the tuck rule is kind of bad <laughs> but the i think from the letter of the law perspective and i'd love to talk uh, with our friends at tasso about this but i think the idea is that if you're impacted by the defender there is no longer a reasonable expectation of you to put the ball in the area of an eligible receiver. Right. And so as a result, I believe that they wave that and they say in, in the same way that like if a ball gets deflected or a ball or like your arm gets hit going forward or something like that, like if it just skitters in front of like to nobody, mm-hmm. then it's like there. I think there has to be I think there's an in, there's an important word uh, in in the penalty, which is intentional. Uh, I think that it would. They, what they're saying is that it is not intentional grounding; it is unintentional grounding, and as a result, there's no penalty. That's my read on the situation. I think the Tuck rule's bad, but that's my thoughts. You want another rules question? Yeah. What are your thoughts on? F- and then I have a question for the for the audience. Okay. What are your thoughts on touchbacks? Fumbles in the end zone. Oh, I'm assuming this is coming from. Oh, the fumble out of the back of the end zone. Yeah, uh, it sucks, but there's nothing else you can do. Like I understand why people think that rule stinks. Mm-hmm. I get it, but I also, in my opinion, like what what do you want to change it to? That's like it has to right. be. It has to be that way. Well, and I think that a great example of this. I don't know if you saw the the Seahawks player. Yeah. he literally he gets right there and just quits, and the defender punches it out. Like if that's what it takes to teach you not to be a dumb dumb, then I don't see why I don't, you don't. Well, keep and, it. and and I understand that like people are diving for the pylon uh, and maybe they let it go and it goes out and and that sucks. That does, and I understand. Yeah. But changing that rule, I think, would have a net negative impact mm-hmm. on um on the the game as a whole. Mm-hmm. And as a result, like I just don't think there's anything you can do to fix it. I think that it's a no. natural kind of sucky part of the rules that like happens to come. To, it you know happens to come there. Yeah. Like, what they, are you like? What are you going to do if there's no clear? Like the only thing I could think of is giving giving two points. Like basically calling it like the opposite of a safety. But or give them or I mean I guess like but a the field goal is, or something. But but the thing is because here's the thing and because at that point all right if you're going to get tackled mm-hmm. why wouldn't you throw the ball in the back of the end zone right like that's why you've got it like because you could like, literally turn around are, and pitch it right you are you are having two. You 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 have too many, um, in my view. Because at that point, what you would do if you are like, let's say you're down one, uh, a team is down one, and you say, oh, you get a reverse safety if 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 you get if you get punched out of the back of the end or whatever. If you're down one with five seconds left, why wouldn't you tell the quarterback scramble out to your left, get in front, front of the of line the- of scrimmage, and throw it out of the back of the mm-hmm. end zone? That's a forward fumble, right? You know what I mean? So I don't know. Appar- I, I just- apparently, this is a big ish topic. Oh, Lately, it? I didn't know that. That's now, what Aaron Flynn said. I just, I just don't. I know it's a bad rule, but there's no way to fix it. It's a right. natural, in my opinion, it's a natural consequence of the rules that we have in place. And by, and it's one of those things that by fixing it, you're only going to make other matters worse. Well, That's darn it! Opinion. I wish Ish was actually here because apparently he's on the opposite so, side of this argument. Good, let's so. fight. <laughs> he's wrong. I'm right. There um, go. Okay, I have a question for oh, yeah. the audience. Okay. Okay. Because this is a very 2020 question because the world's exploding. Fact. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use one team as an example, but this is n- going to come up more. Okay? I'm going to use one team as an example. I'm going to use Canadian as an example. Okay? Mm, yes. So Canadian, right now, as we sit here right now, Canadian's record 
playing is, games? Canadian's record right now is th- is two and one. Mm-hmm. Their record, their record technically is two and one. Tonight, they were supposed to play Spearman. Okay, tonight they were supposed to play Spearman. Spearman cannot field a team. Mm-mm. As a result, that is a district game. That is a district game. And so as a result, they will get a forfeit win. They get a forfeit win. Okay. They have now, in because Spearman's not playing, and they want to play a game they haven't played in the last two weeks, mm-hmm. they are now playing a team from Kansas. I think it's like huge in Kansas or something like that. Fascinating. Amazing. <laughs> They're playing a team from Kansas. Let's say they win that game, which they're going to because, come on, it's Canadian. It's a team from Kansas. What's their record? They're 2-1 right now. Mm-hmm. They will get a forfeit win from Spearman. They'll then play a team from Kansas the same week. Mm-hmm. Do we usually because, count out-of-state games yeah, too? No, into, okay, that, that's, that's what I figured. Record. I, I like, Sybil Steel's 0-1. Right. But the problem is, we've never run into a situation where, where you you're can get two wins, where you're replacing a district game that has to count, right, with a game from out of state or another another game that that you will play. So, what would be their record if they won that game? Because I'll tell you where I sit. I think their record should be three and one. Mm-hmm. I think that I think that if you start opening the door for a team to have more than one result in one game week things can get sideways real quick and that's yeah most people are saying three and one uh ed said four and one there's some people who think four and one sean and burnett think, said this should be counted as a scrimmage that's which kind is of what, what i agree I think that's with what we're going to end up landing on mm-hmm. i think after tonight i think after tonight um can't uh, uh, um uh, I, I think canadian like if they they could go and lose to kansas this kansas team 150 to nothing or something like that, and that might impact my analysis of them. But at the same time, I'm going to treat like they're going to be in my mind. I think I've decided, and, and I'm making an editorial decision for for the company mm-hmm. that they're going to be three and one. Because I think that I think that the damage that you do in opening the door to having more than one result in one week, things get real dicey. Well, and the because thing- then at that point, I'm sorry not to interrupt, no, but like, good. what if that happens for every one of their games? Mm-hmm. Okay, what if that happens next week against Highland Park, the next week against Dimmit, the next week against Friona, the next week against Tulia, the next week against Childress? What if they go out there and the next five weeks they're not able to, they get five forfeit district wins and then they go out there and they go and they schedule Houston, Kansas five more times Mm -hmm. and they beat them five more times. At that point, you're talking about a team that is finishing the regular season 15 and one. Yeah. I'm sorry, 14 and one. Mm Mm-hmm. At that point, we have lost control of the situation. Well, in in my mind, I don't understand why if you are guaranteed to add a a plus one in the win column from a forfeit, why would you you not just be 
happy that you've well, got well, the win. Now, well, you know, now, like, well, yeah, and 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 I mean, I, the reason that Chris Ketting scheduled his games, he doesn't want to go 28 days between playing games. Right. Like he's like, I understand why they scheduled the game. Mm-hmm. To be clear, I, I I don't think you're. you're I'm just saying, saying from the re- you can't. I feel like you can't get mad about yes. the record standing. I, I get agree. the game thing, but you can't get mad about the records if you're already getting another win for so, a game. Because what happens if you go out there and you mm-hmm. lose to the Kansas team? Yeah. You don't want that counting as a loss, so you get you get a free game that doesn't matter, and That's, you get to put a win in the win me, column. To me, I, I think you're right. I treat this as a scrimmage. Yeah. I think I think the going forward, and I'm certainly willing to be over. Like, I'm certainly willing to be convinced otherwise. But my thought right now is that if you replace a district game with a non-district game because of forfeit, that game that 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 non-district game counts as a scrimmage in my mind. That's my take. So I anyway, agree. that was my debate question for the for the class. What's next, Pickle? Um, up next, let's talk about a, a fun game here: Permian and Mesquite Horn. Yeah, a, a I of, really like this. Um, <laughs> a kind of weird. Um, it's just the right amount of weird. Yeah, a kind of weird, um, kind of cross-regional matchup of Permian Basin taking on, um, you know, DFW. And uh, traditionally, it has not been like Permian has not, and and, and generally, general. I'm speaking way too generally. Big school teams from from the Permian Basin have not fared well whenever they've played uh, teams like Mesquite, uh, like like DFW. I believe this game's at Horn, mm-hmm. um, so that's interesting. That's a long road trip. Um, I thought that their opener against Abilene Cooper, Permian's offense really looked sharp. Um, I think that they, I think that there's uh, some hopes that they could really have a pretty dynamite offense this year. Um, but we're you know we're gonna see I, I certainly want to see more um, more than just one data point from them. But the early the early you know from Malachi Medlock and from from Harper Terry sounds like things were pretty good. I want to see that defense pick up the slack a little bit. Mm-hmm. Taking on a Horn team that's coming off of a, a game in Week One uh, where they they beat Richardson Pierce. They should have won that game in my opinion. They did. Um, this is a bigger step up for them. Uh, the bigger question is just going to be kind of like it's still early season. This is a long road trip for Permian. All the all the on the field stuff, I would lean towards Horn. How much does the off the field stuff have an impact? I would say I, I still lean towards uh, Permian in this one. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna go with Permian uh, to win this game. But I think that it think could be weird, could be fun uh, in the sense that you've got a long road trip. You got a team in in uh, in in Horn that's probably desperate to get that signature win under Coach Hudler. What's next, Pickle? We got a uh, yeah, we can do about three more. Okay. Um, let's go with, what do you think about Cal Allen and Kerrville Tyvee squaring off tonight? Yeah, so this is a, this is a game that Cal Allen and Tyvee, uh, have, have played a lot, if I remember correctly. I want to say they've been in the same district a fair amount. Um. That would not surprise, well. Let me see if I can find this far, That's kind of a far trip. Let me see, hold on. Am I crazy, or have they just played in, like, high-profile games? Um, I want to see if I can, come on, I know, I'm going to pull up the information, but I'll find it. Anyway, that is nothing right there. What I'm saying is that this is a, um, this is a, a game, a, a, a game that I'm, I'm interested in seeing what Cal Allen's offense is able to do against that Tyvee defense. Mm-hmm. Um, they have played, let's see, in the Danaher era. 
They have played Tyvee nine times. This will be the tenth time. Nine times. <laughs> um, they've played them nine times. Um, I am interested to see what the Cal Island offense is able to do. There's a Cal Island offense that has been a little bit hit and miss. Part of it is that their defense, uh, or part of it is they've played good defenses. They played mm-hmm. La Vega, right? Uh, but last week they looked good against, uh, against Gregory Portland. Um, going up against Kerrville Tyvee, who is 0-1. Uh, they lost last week. Uh, took an L to Dripping Springs, who I am bullish on. I like, yes. I like Dripping Springs. I do too. I mentioned that. But they lost 14 nothing. Mm-hmm. They didn't score. and uh, and But but obviously the, the early returns for the defense are pretty good. I think this is an interesting test for the Calhoun offense against the Tyvee mm-hmm. defense. I also want to see if that Tyvee offense can get on track. Uh, David Jones is always going to get his boys on track. I... Week one, I chalk that up to um, week one. I chalk it up to uh, a good Dripping Springs team. I'm not willing to bury Tyvee, but this is another big test for them out of the gate. Taking on a 4A team, they're bigger than them. They do go on the road to Phil Danaher Field. Um, I am. I'm interested. Color me, color me interested. I think I took Cal Allen in the picks. I'm going to stick with Cal Allen, but yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Um, two more here. Okay, I am a big fan of this one from Mies. He said, hypothetically, in a mm. COVID-less world, do the pros outweigh the cons of starting 5 and 6A a few weeks after everyone else? So I've thought about this. I have too. Because here's... Now... I have, I have... I go back and forth. I can't really choose uh, a side. The answer in my mind is no. And I'll tell you why. Very specifically. Mm-hmm. And that is the state championship games. Yep. If you're going to have the single site state championship games, mm-hmm. you all have to finish the same time. Yep. And if you enjoy the spectacle, and I think the UIL certainly enjoys the spectacle of having one site, four days, 12 games, just go nuts people. Mm-hmm. Like, I think they enjoy that. And as a result, I just don't think you can do this. I think they. I think that this is as extreme as they went uh, for right. a reason because I think that they 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 are they understand the the situation and they want to make sure it's 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 the best situation for the most people involved. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that they would do this in, in the future. Now, look, I do think there are some advantages to what we're seeing right now. Mm-hmm. I think that it is super stinking cool that you have the spotlight on the small school ranks in the early going. I think that's great. I also think that it's great that at, on the back end, everyone's going to clear out and we're going to have basically regional finals. Yes, it'll be regional, regional final week. The week out, uh, Christmas week? Yes. Um, one, two, or three, four. I think the four. state uh, championships no, be, are during yeah, regional final no, week. Uh, no, state championships are during area round. Okay. Week. So second week. Second week. Uh, and second week of the playoffs. So then regional. I do think it's kind of cool that everyone's going to clear out and we're going to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, think, I, I do think it's really neat. Neat. Like mm-hmm. like March Simpson with a potato. Uh, <laughs> I, I think it's neat that both the big schools and the small schools will get an opportunity on the front and back end, respectively, to shine. That said, I think that it, it, it A, creates too many headaches to make this a permanent thing as far as scheduling is concerned. Mm-hmm. And B, it basically blows up the idea of a Central State State Championship uh, uh, scenario and... That's something that the UIL, I think, is firmly committed to forever. Right. And, yeah, I think I, I agree with with all of that. My 
my heart was so happy with the small schools getting the spotlight. I had so much fun those first week just personally being able to go out to those small because usually I just do DFW type games. Those are not small. And so I personally enjoyed it. Absolutely loved it. Um, I, I think that it was a lot of fun. But yes, I agree. You're asking way too much yeah. planning. I think that people will look at this one is if they did that, there's a bunch of carryover in the basketball season that's going to end yeah. up hurting those teams that you have to think about on a normal year. And the other well, thing is, too, like we might be dead by the time January state championships rolls around because 21 weeks of this is a lot. And you know it is for the coaches. And, yeah, please, we're the real victims here. The real victims. But the other thing, because you brought up an interesting point about um, about the, the, the scheduling and, and it being very difficult to put things together, and now my train of thought has derailed. Do, 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 do. What was I going to say? You said something interesting, and then I stopped listening to you. Hmm. Oh, well, that sounds gone. on brand as well. Into the ether. Um, no, we were thinking about state championships. We were thinking about the, the schedule. It's 21 weeks. Oh, here's the other thing. Thank you. Mm-hmm. There is an there is an early enrollment problem here too that you're going to have some of the very best stars, especially at the six A and five A mm-hmm. level, who will want to enroll early. That, okay, look, and, and there's a lot and, of them and, that and opted I don't, out. I don't, I don't, I, look, I I've I've told you guys a lot that I generally agree with what the UIL does. Mm-hmm. Here is an instance in which I don't. Uh, you know, we're playing the week of Christmas, right? That's the other thing that people do not understand yet Y'all, that people are not going to be happy about. No, 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 no. This is something that I think people are going to wake up on, like, December 1st, and they're going to go, wait, what? Mm-hmm. There are games. There are going to be the week of Christmas. There which, will be 64 Texas high school football teams still alive, which means any team that thinks they're worth anything, that's the third mm-hmm. round of the playoffs, that means any team that, wor- that thinks they're worth anything can't plan Anything for Christmas, okay? No, now I Christmas under- is on a Friday too. Christmas is on a Friday because it had to be the worst, yes. most inconvenient possible mm-hmm. day because it's twenty twenty. When we get closer, people are going to start freaking out. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you this on all- October second. I saw it coming two months ago. ago. Yep, it's gonna it's gonna happen. People are going to freak out. The reason they're doing it, I think, is because they want to get this thing done so that you don't have big stars opting out of the state championship Mm -hmm. games because that would be extremely bad for the UIL and the brand of Texas high school football. I think that's why they're doing it. But you, you have a Sophie's choice here in the sense that you can either play on Christmas week, Mm -hmm. which is bad. Mm Mm-hmm. We understand, we, we recognize it as a necessary evil right now mm-hmm. with the world the way it is. Or, or you are then going to risk the star running back for Klein Collins playing in their first state championship game saying, you know what, I'm instead going to go enroll at, uh, at Michigan and I'm good. See you guys. Mm-hmm. That's a big problem, too. So there's no winning there. Mm -mm. I think that's why the UIL is is rushing through. I would have preferred, in my mind, and this is me also being a little bit selfish, Mm -hmm. but also in talking with coaches who are not particularly happy about this, I would have preferred they take that whole week off Mm -hmm. and then everybody gets a a, a second round of the playoffs or a third round of the playoffs like off week, two weeks to prepare for the regional semifinals. Let's rock and roll. We finish on January 23rd. But I also think they don't... I also think they don't have the building for mm-hmm. for ATT. I think there's a lot because of different NFL going playoffs. 
yes. realistically should be starting at that time. I think there's a lot of different tentacles to this. and But the UIL made the choice that the least bad option is to play on Christmas. And so play on Thursday, Christmas Eve. Eve. Yeah. Or play on Saturday, Boxing Day. And that just worries me, too, about people being in giant groups with their families and stuff and then turning around oh. the next day to go oh. play. Like, medically, oh. that's... I yikes. have spent a lot that's of time th- thinking about big this. yikes. I am... Like how I feel about college football, like playing the, the week after Halloween. Like, that's a yikes. <laughs> All right, one last question. Something to put uh, on your... Oh, that was my that was my ender. Oh no, it wasn't. Uh, which one is more likely to happen: the end of free money or step going vegan? Neither. <laughs> like a like a, a meteor hitting the earth. Yeah. You guys are you guys are trying to get it. W- the world exploding is probably more likely. Look, guys. <laughs> I can answer that one. Um, free money is ending. Step ain't going vegan. Let's have a um, let's have a fireside chat, me and you. Okay. In this time of national crisis, there's riots in the street. There's allegations of election fraud. There's a pandemic going on. Right now, all of us, what we need is... Barbecue. What we need is consistency. What we need is normalcy. What we need is to to feel joy again. I don't want to do free money. I need to do free money. Uh, no, no. And you know who else needs free money? No. America. No, America needs to let the eat barbecue. Let the healing begin. That's going to do it for us. Thanks for spending <laughs> a little bit of your day with us. Respect to you if you're uh, vegan. I just like barbecue. Follow us on Twitter at DCTF. <laughs> like us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Dave Campbell. Follow us on Instagram. Instagram.com slash Dave Campbell. And of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. For Ashley Pickle, I'm Greg Tepper. Vince Young, please get your player of the year trophy. We'll see you Monday on Texas Football Today.